0: My name is Marty Plum and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Very excited about episode number 33, uh, f- Thirty-three. geez, this is why I teach history and not statistics like our guest here tonight. Uh, episode number 53 with Steve Collins, the boys basketball coach at Madison Memorial High School in Madison, Wisconsin. As a guy who grew up in Iowa talking to a Badger, I, I'm going to be okay with this. We, we've got common ground here with the beautiful game. Uh, did Wisconsin beat Iowa last year, didn't they, Coach? I believe they did. Yeah. I think
1: we beat you more than you beat us,
0: yeah. Lately lately it's been yes. that way. So uh, but that's okay. No no hard feelings. We'll, we'll work our way through it here. So, um, But before we get going with Coach Collins here, uh, we want to, of course, recognize our sponsor for the episode, uh, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive, which is just off 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see COSAC Chiropractic. Give them a call at 402-964-0300. Just tell Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi that a pin and a napkin sent you. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter, a Pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter site, so be sure to follow us there. Obviously, if you're listening, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, so download, rate, and review this podcast. Give us five stars. We want to gain momentum in the ratings, and of course, the biggest thing is we want to help coaches hone their craft one day at a time. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, uh, feel free to email me, a pin and a napkin at com. This has been a, a pod. How long we've we been trying to connect here, Coach? Probably about two months.
1: Uh, oh, at least I think I was at the lake house the last time you were doing it, and I was just—I was trying to go off, but I was trying to go off it. I, I so for someone that does a lot of podcasts, I appreciate the last minute that you just had to do. It's like I, some those intros are not always the easiest things to do. You kind of <laughs> you, you kind of have to run through the run through those, but uh, you know. I have a question for you before we get started. How did sure. you
0: come up with the name of the podcast? Um, You know, my it, it, it all kind of started uh, last July. And, you know, I it was I was going into my second year of not coaching um, after coaching for 24 years in a row. And my wife and I were out for a walk. I was like, you know, I, I kind of want to do something with basketball, but I'm not sure if I'm ready to get back into coaching yet, yada, yada, yada. And, you know we kind of just bounce some things around. She goes, well, you'd like to talk a lot. <laughs> Why don't you do a podcast? So I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Um, you know, I, I think that's because one of the things that I struggled with that first year out, um, and your, your stuff helped me kind of with it. Uh, but as you've probably known, you kind of research it and try to get into the niche of, of podcasting. And there's a lot of stuff out there. But there wasn't a lot of stuff that I was able to find for high school coaches specifically. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's easy for and, – and this is no knock against a Division I coach or a professional coach or a college coach even. Uh, to, but when you've got 20, you know, 10 to 20 high-skilled guys or gals in the gym – Um, that's great on championship productions. And I'm not, I I love championship productions. I I have a bunch of DVDs from them, but sometimes that's not what I need as a, as a high school coach. And so that was the whole purpose. Okay. What can I do to help out people like me who have the same questions that I have? And so we started talking it over and then I was like, oh crap, I'm going to need a title for this. How do I come up with some sort of title? My dad was a marketing teacher. Uh, marketing professor. He literally is Professor Plum Coach. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so uh, you know, uh, uh, something, how can I tie it in? What's, you know, um, and, and I just kind of, it took me about a week and all of a sudden it kind of stumbled onto me. Well, when you're sitting around and you're talking with a bunch of coaches late at night, what are you doing? You're taking a pen and you're writing stuff on a napkin and hey, uh, a pen and a napkin. And I kind of went back and forth between a napkin and a pen, a pen and a napkin. I finally said, you know, it just seemed like it rolled better with a pen and a napkin. And and that was just kind of it is is my wife made the suggestion to do the podcast. And then I, I hemmed and hawed about what I would do. And then I. Kind of, I think I was on another walk with my dog Charlie, and I think that's kind of how it popped into my head. You know, I think it's it's,
1: it's like me. That's a, it sounds very similar. Like the the, the name just kind of like mine with basketball coach unplugged. It was like, well, I just want to talk about hoops and I want to talk about basketball. I mean, it was it, it's interesting how these
2: kind of, mine initially started on YouTube. That's the mm-hmm. funny part. It, okay, um, I thought, God, I'll just do videos, but then.
0: Now people would rather listen than maybe necessarily watch me talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, but
1: uh, yeah, it was uh, very, very intriguing. It's always interesting how people come up with their names. I always ask other people how they came up. I love yours. I,
0: yours is one of the fav- my favorite ones out there as far as the name goes for for a coaching podcast. It well, makes sense to me. Well, I I appreciate that, and 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 the whole purpose of, like I said, what I wanted to do was. You know, guys or, guys or gals are, are sitting around and, and, and enjoying a, a, a beverage of some sort. And you know how it is, you know, especially in the olden days. You, you get out some napkins and people start scribbling stuff up here. Well, here's this press break or here's this out-of-bounds deal. And, and And, you know, my first exposure to that was, oh, gosh, my first year of coaching. I went down to the state tournament to do some recruiting because I was a student assistant at the college that I went to. And it was myself and Mike Power um, and Jamie Sale, who's the head coach at Morningside College, the women's coach at Morningside College in Sioux City. And and Mike or Jamie and I were Mike's assistant coaches. And then it was uh, Ken Rodas from Hastings College and Gene Steinmeier from Doan College. And it was about 11 o'clock at, at Barry's in downtown Lincoln. And Roddy gets out and he starts writing some stuff up. And then Steinmeier gets his stuff out. And I was just the 22-year-old fly on the wall just taking it all in, you know. And, um, you know, I was just – you know, and that always kind of stuck with me as well as, well, that's how it works. These guys just sit around and they write stuff up on a pen and a napkin and – and, and and that's kind of yeah that's kind of how it, it you know that was I I think I guess the the title of the pod was planted 25 years ago before the pod was born so
1: I love that I love that it's just, it's, it's a great backstory it's a great backstory
0: yeah well thanks well you sir have a heck of a story yourself here uh, a, a heck of a resume uh, 20 years in in Madison 30 years overall uh, your accomplishments speak for themselves. Um, usually you're the one asking the questions and doing all the interviewing, so we're kind of flip-flopping here a little bit. Uh, But, uh, um, you know, yeah, just kind of go into your background and and how you ended up to uh, hosting three podcasts and uh, working, working the side hustle as hard as a guy can work the side hustle here, Coach.
1: Wow! Yeah, it is. This is weird. I, I told my I told my wife this beforehand. I go, this is. I whenever I go on other people's podcasts, it always feels weird because you're right. I'm usually the one answering the questions mm-hmm. and moving it down. I'm not having to talk about myself. Um, but yes, uh, you know, I I grew up in a coaching coaching teaching family, um, and I knew relatively early I wanted to be a teacher and wanted to be a coach. Uh, and, you know, taught in northern Wisconsin for a while, and then was lucky enough to get a job in Madison, and kind of do It's interesting how I ended up at, at Madison Memorial is, it was in the olden days when people actually had books and stuff, and they used to publish, the WIA, w- which is the State Association,
0: used to publish a book of all the high schools in the state, and mm-hmm. all the emails and phone numbers and all those kind of things. Oh, yeah, yep.
1: And I re- and I remember taking that book, I remember taking that and um, uh, looking at it and basically circling ones that I thought um, that could be good programs that yep. I might want to take. Mm-hmm. And uh, Madison ended up opening up. I'm from Madison. I was going to get married. I thought it oh, would be a great place to raise my family and applied to Madison the world. I ended up getting a job. I was actually at grad school out east at the time. And... Um, ended up getting a job and moved here and then when I looked at that list it was on that list, it was one of these sleeping giants, I knew it was a big school I knew it was a diverse school I knew it had the resources it needed to be successful um, but just took the job because I wanted to get to Madison because Madison a great town Yeah. And, and, and there's a math job and um, reached out to the head
0: coach at that point and said hey I'll be willing to do whatever you want I just want to help out and things kind of just I'm always under the firm believer that things just kind of work out the way they're supposed to didn't get my first job I wanted up in northern Wisconsin which was a blessing in retrospect Mm -hmm. and um, ended up getting this one because the head coach became an assistant principal Mm -hmm. and he couldn't be a principal
1: and couldn't be the coach Um, got married in July got the head job in October started my first season in November um, which was definitely a whirlwind Mm -hmm. But it ended up working out really well, Um, and have been very blessed. And Madison have been very blessed with some, you know, great players, Um, Mm -hmm. great staff, great organization behind me. A previous head coach was basically filled out the, um, or set up the youth program for me, so I basically, I had to do a step in, and, um, you know, I've had good players. I mean, I've said this on my podcast probably a thousand times, there's two types of coaches, coaches with players and ex-coaches, <laughs> and, and, and I've been very lucky in my in my career at Madison to have players, to have really good players that have bought into what we're kind of trying to sell them, um, and then, yeah, so, you know, we've been successful, we've won a lot of games, but um, I'm always looking, I mean, I'm always looking for the next, you know, hurdle that I want to kind of do, and my brother's a huge business guy he's got a Harvard MBA you know he runs a, runs a well, probably one of the most active VC companies in the country mm-hmm. and um, you know he, he basically said you know you've done this and
0: you're still coaching and you're doing great but you should you should think about something else you know what, else, what could be another obstacle for you and then so him and I started actually a business together um, it didn't end
1: up working out it, it ended up being it was called Coach Market. and it was going to be kind of tutoring for basketball it was going to match coaches and players together kind of like coach up is doing Mm -hmm. right now if you've ever heard of coach up um we were in that early kind of thing and it was this it was teaching and young kids and all that it was just too much for me to try to balance all that so him and i pivoted and that's where Hoops came about um you know, just all the social media, I mean, kids think I'm everywhere. I actually got a TikTok this year. I was pretty <laughs> proud of myself. But, uh, I started it about six months ago. But I'm, I'm in a lot of different social medias. I'm on Twitter, I'm on, I've am i got probably the two most popular Facebook groups on uh, in Facebook. Um, I'm a little bit everywhere. and Part of that is just kind of me kind of putting out my tentacles and trying to figure out things and how they work. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to do that similar to that's why i started teach hoops because when i was a young coach you know don meyer and bobby all those guys i would go to all their clinics and i would try to learn all this i still find that Meyer's stuff you know he used to hand out all these little note cards i still find them in my office once in a while uh-huh. um, but anyway i was trying to learn all this stuff and and i just wanted a one-stop shop for coaches that could you know and i wanted to help i knew this I, i'm getting near the end of the marathon for my coaching career probably you know i probably got four or five years left depending okay. on how this whole pandemic thing works out sure um and i wanted an exit plan i wanted to keep keep like similar to your story with you, you wanted to stay in the game i wanted to do the same thing that's one of the reasons i started my podcast but it's also one of the reasons i started teach hoops is i wanted to be able to help coaches and mentor them and give them resources to, to help them through the through it and 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 i and what people don't understand is when i do that when i do the podcast and i do teachhoops.com and i do all that it's really selfishly i'm i'm learning so much like i yeah. i was talking to a coach this morning i mean i had like four teachhoops.com calls this morning where you know we just get on one-on-one calls i talking to one coach who works in new york city i was talking to another one who's in uh, who's
2: in San Diego and it's like how's oh, the fires out there and they're all over the country and they all have different issues, right? Yep. You know yep. one can't get in his gym, but one can get in his gym and can't do you know, how do you social distance, how do you run practice? You know, in New York City. He's not even. You know, they they jump on the subways to go to their games in New York City. So, <laughs> you know, you're learning. I I, I find it. so and I, A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to some coaches from Alaska, and like they literally
1: fly to their games. Yeah, so I've I've I seen that. All, I, I find that so intriguing, and I and I learned so much by talking to them. But that was one of the reasons I did it, um, just to kind of broaden my horizons. And and you know, hopefully someday I'm sitting on a beach drinking a margarita and running my podcast and doing all that stuff from there but um i i've learned more than i've been able to teach coaches in the last you know three or four years running the podcast um, and the, the reason coach unplugs gone seven days a week is because i just this pandemic i was on the phone like all the time talking to i got all this content mm-hmm. i gotta figure i mean i feel bad i got coaches that i talk to and May that I haven't gotten their podcasts up yet, Yeah, (laughs) but I got you, so there's only seven days in a week, so I'm trying to get all the content out because there's so much, there's
0: so much stuff that I want to be able to share, but um, yeah, it's kind of I think it's my adult ADHD that has been, is the internet has fed it. The internet has fed it well. Let me tell you, it really has. Too too, too many too many opportunities, and uh, yeah, you know, you you, you kind of you're like you're like Alice going down the uh, going down the rabbit hole into Wonderland. sometimes when you go right. down that, you know, and yeah, and, you really can. Yeah, you really can. Um, you know. You, uh, with the social media, you uh, you crossed the uh, you crossed the threshold. You went to the dark side of the force with the TikTok. There, I, I can't. Uh, you know, my 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 kids, my biological children, they're 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 on it all the time, and and, uh, and I'm like, oh man, you know. And my wife has this one guy who who she says reminds me of me and it's all the corny dad crap that you know yes the dad jokes, yeah, yes, the the dad jokes. Yeah. I'm like oh come on I am not. I can't be that bad am I so but uh, with, with the social media is that just something that naturally uh, you were drawn to or was it like you know this is something I feel like I should be doing to help me open up my platforms more to, to, to help out other people or was it just maybe a little combination of both
1: uh well, I can tell you how it started. Mm-hmm. I can tell you in 2011, personally one of the best high school basketball games I've ever seen. I happened to coach. We won. We won the state championship in triple overtime. Um, and in the first overtime, we were down two. Lost the ball, and the kid called the timeout, and they did the whole Chris Weber did. They didn't have one. It was uh-huh. like oh, it was one of these crazy games. But anyway. I, I I always I I'm a big like building relationships with my classes. I think that's that's why I hate. Told my wife if I have to go virtual next year, I'm gonna find something else to do because yeah. I miss that interaction with the kids. But anyway, um, the reason behind the story and the social media is in 2011, I promised my class if we won the state championship, <laughs> I would get a Twitter account. Uh-huh. Um, and I so I can tell you exactly and then we ended up winning that triple overtime and the next day i came to that ap stats class they were sitting there and i go okay you got to show me what this whole twitter thing
2: is <laughs> and
1: nine years later i'm still on twitter and i'm tweeting all the time and yep. you know it's like it was one of those things that's
2: like oh that's stupid i'm not doing that I yeah. <laughs> slowly got into it and they, they, so i blame that class
1: uh on the beginning of you know, cause I was on Facebook, but I really wasn't on Facebook. Yep. They were the ones that kind of started the, the avalanche of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it always, it kind of fits me because I'm always thinking about stuff. And mm-hmm. then when I do,
2: um, it kind of tick tock probably doesn't figure into it. It's more that my 15 year old daughter's on TikTok, tick tock. So I just kind of was delving into it to see what she was doing. Uh-huh. Um, and to figure out what this platform was all about Uh Uh, but the other stuff is more just kind of like my Facebook groups I
1: love my Facebook groups Mm -hmm. it's probably my favorite social media Mm -hmm. um, just because there's that interaction between coaches you know Mm -hmm. hey I don't get how they run a 1-2-2 someone will comment on that and then 35 comments later on a you know six hours later i'll jump in i don't even have to do anything yeah so that that's why i like it because coaches are answering other coaches i don't have to i'm just the means to that and i don't have to do it for them um so that's why i like that that's probably that and youtube are probably my favorite social medias
0: yeah um as far as being able to get to getting in front of coaches and (laughs) being able to help them what's uh What's you, you said? You've learned so much, and and I'll and I'll wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate to have a lot of people reach out to me saying how much they enjoy what I do with this, and I'm forever thankful for that. Um, you know, I said this a, a few weeks ago. I, I had a very modest goal of if I could get one Twitter follower a day uh, for the first year, I would think that was kind of a big deal. And and you know, now we're you know, it's not monstrous. I'm not a Kardashian or anything like that, but it's, all you know, 550, something like that. And, then, you know, which, and, and I don't know how many more other people are getting the advance, you know, so forth and so on. So, anyway, uh, but I, I agree with you that I've learned so much from the conversations that I've had. And I'm taking notes as these people are talking to me. What are, what are two or three of the biggest things that you've learned that has helped your career as you've tried to help others, you know, being that middleman?
1: yes yeah, so um i think okay there's a couple things first of all i feel like i know less than i did 20 years ago mm-hmm. <laughs> and here's the
0: reason why i think there's so much information out there yeah that it's, it's too much yes okay um it's similar to like everybody was doing uh um clinics
1: in march i literally had to turn i had to stop Yeah, I went to like two and then I had to stop Mm -hmm. because um, and then what I did, I told my wife, I said, it's just too much. I feel like I'm missing all this stuff, but I'm really not. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, what do you want to she said was great because she was the one that said, what do you want to learn about? And I said, well, I want to learn about practice planning. I think that's something I can work on. I want to learn about, you know, how to build a program, share how I (laughs) built my program, but I want to learn how other people have built their programs. So I I narrowed my topic of what I was going to delve into. And then um, right now, I'm I'm doing something with John Wheeler, who's, uh, in my opinion, one of the
0: Princeton gurus. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I don't know much about the Princeton offense. I can
1: can teach you how to run read and react. I can teach you how to run motion or swing or flex or even dribble drive. I can teach you that. I know those. But I didn't really know the Princeton. So that's where I think what I've learned is you can't be everything to everyone Um, I don't try to do that in my podcast, I don't try to do that in my social media, it was like um, that's why I started High School Hoops because I wanted to just talk with one of my friends only about high school basketball that was it, Mm -hmm. that's all we were going to talk about on that podcast is high school basketball and how to do things in high school Mm -hmm. where in Coach Unplugged I can do more things because it intrigues me, I can talk to a college coach, I can talk to, I can say something that I want to talk about so I think that narrow. I think what I've learned over this, you know, three or four years is if you go on Twitter, literally, you will your head will blow up because <laughs> I, will, I will post something on Twitter. It will be gone in three seconds, depending on how fast your Twitter feed goes. Yeah. And it's great. I wish I could hold, I wish I could grab some of those things and just put them into a, a bucket and look at them later. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I've noticed is, I, I start, I, I start, I've, I've always been a big journaling guy, and I've always been a carrying around a journal. So when I want to do, when I want to learn something or do something, I write it down, and then I, I'm going to come back and circle around to it again. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that social media has taught me is um, that you have to narrow your topics mm-hmm. um, and. And what I've learned and what I've told young coaches and some of the coaches that I mentor is I said, you got to find you got to find mentors in your life that can
0: help you in different aspects. Mm -hmm. Um, Like my brother is a mentor in several. He's in several pots, right? Yep. He's in a family pot. He's in my
1: financial pot. He's in if I have a question about, you know, something Mm -hmm. that, you know, maybe it's philosophical. I'm going to go to him. But then I have other people that maybe I, I, have a, I have spiritual friends where if I need spiritual mentoring this, I'm going to go to these people. So I think that's, you know, I've learned that through the social media that you got to really kind of narrow and that um, the, the mentors is more important than the out of bounds play and the relationships are more important than the X's and O's. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I don't know if I learned that in my younger years. Mm-hmm. That would be number one. Number two is, and maybe this is age that, um, and this is going back to like obviously I get lots of emails from my social media like, oh this is great and we thank you so much blah blah blah, and those are all wonderful. It's like, but the the relationships that have caused
2: the most joy in my life are the are my players' ones when they come back and see me and yes. they, that that it's that it's those life lessons that I've taught them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I necessarily knew that. And, and having
1: talked to all these coaches over the years, um, I don't know if I necessarily knew that in my younger years. It was really about which side of the column that hash mark was going to go on. Was it going to go on the win or lost one? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think over time, you know, that is, I know that has shifted. And part of that's maybe getting older. Part of that's, you know, I've done what I needed to do in my profession. Um but it's really about the relationships The relationships are what really make the the world tick and the world go around. So, um, and then the third thing would be, um, and I tell my players this all the, all the time, especially in social media, I go, comparison is a thief of joy. And I tell them all the time. I tell my daughter that all the time. I said, we can't compare ourselves to other teams. We can't compare ourselves to other people. Um, you know, I tell my daughter if you don't know anything about TikTok, but you don't compare yourself to Charlie. She's the big TikTok, one of the
0: big TikTokers. Okay. You know, uh, uh Don't compare yourself to her. I'll ask my I'll ask my daughter about who Charlie Your is. Will so know who okay. Charlie. She'll know right. who Charlie. And gotcha. Dr. Dixie. Trust me. Gotcha. Charlie or Dixie, she'll know. 60 million, 50 million followers. Anyway, okay. Uh, don't compare yourself to them. Be you. Be Emma. Be you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I tell my players. Just comparison is the you know don't
1: let don't compare yourself to that team compare you, you that's the thief of joy let's just us get better and do that and those those would be the three big things i think with over the time that i think have um that have been where this whole social media
0: and business thing have kind of taken that taking me down that specific road mm-hmm. um how much you know, when you took over the job and I, I was doing some background research on on you and you, you know it was something like you said it was a sleeping giant but there's a reason why they call sleeping giants sleeping giants is because they haven't done a whole lot in, in recent history and for a long time you know Madison was was not very good consistently um, and you jokingly said you know I was I, I, how serious were you when you said I was the only guy that applied for the job. I was the only guy that applied for the job. They only <laughs> had five winning seasons in 30 years. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I did. You know, I knew that that they hadn't struggled and, or they had struggled. Um, and, and so you came into this kind of situation where, you know, like you said, there was, you know, you got in kind of at the right time. The youth program had been set up, and and then you kind of took off from there. But you know, there weren't a lot of expectations until later on. How much has your career? Changed in twenty years, uh, from from having a job with no expectations to a job where there's really high expectations every single year that you come out.
1: Uh, it, it definitely changed. I mean, our only losing season, our only losing season was that first season. I still remember sitting in the locker room with my assistant coach saying, "I can't." We were seven and fourteen. And we lost ten games in a row. We referred to it as the streak. Uh-huh. And uh, and I go, I can't do this. I can't. I, you go, stop. Take a deep breath. Like, let's figure out what you can do. Um, and and Bruce was Bruce passed away gosh, four or five years ago. He's watching. He was actually down in Tennessee watching one of our players and had a heart attack. Oh, it was so sad. I'm so sorry like, to hear that.
0: Oh, it was so
1: so sad. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember him sitting and telling me, "You're so." Telling me, do what you can do, Steve. Let's let's tackle the, the things that we can tackle. You can't control the uncontrollables, and um, it was one of those. It was pre-huddle. It was pre-crossover. It was pre-all this. And and on the bus ride back from Lacrosse, Wisconsin, it was about two-hour bus ride. Our staff came up with you know we can outscout people. We can outwork them in the offseason. There were things that we could do to help turn the program around. Um, which I think helped us turn the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as expectations go, yes, I think
0: sometimes it's hard to follow. It's hard to follow Vince Lombardi. Um, <laughs> you know, you don't want. I don't want. To, I don't want to be the next coach at, at Duke. Mm-hmm. I'll be
1: the coach after the coach at Duke. Yeah, but I don't want to be the next coach at Duke.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: I don't want to be the next coach at Kentucky. I want to be the
0: next coach after the next coach at Kentucky. Sure. It's like you know. It's like following Brent Stevens. It's hard. Yeah. Um, so i didn't have those
1: expectations so it gave me time to build the program it gave me those things but it's uh you know everyone's your friend when you're losing but it's harder when you're winning it's uh it's funny because once we started winning and you know i think we i think we ended up going to the state tournament nine straight years in a row um and the year we didn't go, I remember being yelled at in the parking lot by a POM
0: mom because her daughter wasn't going to get to do POMs at halftime of the same tournament. Oh, I'm so and sorry, like, ma'am. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of when we were losing this game. Exactly. That's exactly. I mean, oh. that's,
1: yes. I was thinking, I'm sorry your daughter doesn't get to do it
0: POMs. Yeah. But, um, but it's like, it's and that's part of the game. I mean,
1: I, 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 I've, I've been called. I, I one of the one of the years I was called and like we'd won the state semifinal game. We were gonna we were in the gym on Saturday morning. We're playing in the state finals six hours later, and I got a phone call from a mom wanting to know why her son did not play the night before. And I go, "Well, your son hasn't played all year a lot. Yeah. We're playing for the state championship in six hours. I'm sorry,
0: your your son does understand why because I've right, already." converted with it she had not been to a game all year she'd watched it on tv yeah it's like sometimes but um that's part of the game and i get that i mean it's it's it's
1: well i i had a mentor tell me that it's hard to be rational with an irrational person
0: a thousand i've used that exact quote myself And, and and it's like that's gotten me through so many difficult times
1: because you know i had to coach my son the last couple of years and it was hard it was yes. it was hard not to be dad it was hard not to watch the game let alone coach it mm-hmm. and and it's hard and it's i mean I, I, and now that it's over and i don't have to worry about it anymore it was hard to be rational with him because mm-hmm. he's my kid yeah like, you know he's my kid i don't you know so it's like once once the mentor told me that i don't remember who told me that but um it made all the conversations I ever had with a parent after that so much easier. Yeah. Because they're not thinking about the whole thing; they're thinking about their kids because they love their kids. Yes. And in three years, when their kids in college, they're not even thinking about me.
0: No. <laughs> I'm no. Like a, I'm, they're not even thinking about us. It's like Pierce, it's the right the here, right now.
1: It's right here, right now, and yep. they're not being rational, yep. and yep. and um, and so that's helped me through so many times. Um, just realizing that sometimes they just need to vent. Sometimes they just need to feel that they are defending, you know. I, I, I refer to it as one of my better players, I his mother, I swear to God, she was like a mama bear. She would have eaten me before she let anything <laughs> happen to her son. Like but that's but but my, one of my assistants coaches told me that and it was true. Yeah. She would have literally eaten me before she let anything happen. Yeah. But all she was doing was protecting. She wasn't being it wasn't against me. It was about there's there's an obstacle. Something is in her way, and that, that, that's fine. And that made it a lot easier. It made all the conversations easier. Made
0: everything easier at that yeah. point. Um, but yeah, that's that's part of the game, I think. Yeah. My my dad told me uh, one of my early years uh, we had a struggle and we had some parent issues, and I was t- I was telling my dad about it, and um, my dad said. You know, Marty, everybody loves their kid a little bit more than they love everybody else's kid. And, <laughs> you know, that always kind of stuck oh, with I me. I love that. I you love know? that. I'm sticking with that one. I it, love that. That's true. You know, and, and, uh, uh, you know, th- like I say, you know, that, that always kind of stuck with me. It's like, okay, I, I, that helped me understand a little bit. Because at that time, my kids were still really young, and at, at most, they were in the why, you know, I think our oldest might've been second or third grade, not, probably not even that, you know? Um, and, and so it, it, like I said, it just helped me refocus on, okay, I kinda, I kinda get that. I kinda get that. And, um, you know, you, you try to, to give, uh, people the benefit of the doubt. Like you said, one of our football coaches are, our our football coach at the at the school that I used to coach at has been very very successful here in Nebraska, and you know there was a dad that was upset and and one of his one of Coach Terman's assistant coaches told him one morning, um you know that that's just a dad that loves his kid you know and and right. I th- and I and I think that. We as coaches, you know, there's there's a certain, like with so many things that we have to do, that's why coaching is an art, it's not a science. As much as we'd like to make it a science, sometimes it's an art. But we have to have, we have to understand that fine line where, you know, these these are parents that just love their kids and want, you know, want what's best for them, but they're also trying, for the most part, not, not all the irrationals are trying to be rational. Some of them are just irrational and there ain't a doggone thing you can do about it. But... Most of them, you know, just like you said, they they need a vent or they they just love their kid more than they love everybody else's kid. And I think that's a pretty natural reaction. It is. I mean, I I can think of another story that I got caught in. I got caught.
1: I moved up Wesley Matthews, who plays for the Bucks right now. Yeah. Hopefully, I don't know who he'll play for next
0: year. That was, I mean, by the you know, way, that was probably a pretty good coaching decision. I'm just going to throw that out there. You know, yeah, I waited though. I waited till after his soft JV season. I waited mm-hmm. to pull him
1: up. It was mm-hmm. one of the, my regrets, but mm-hmm. it was more about it was more about the senior class. It was more about who he was going to play with. And I wanted, sure. To, anyway, it yeah, was, there were multiple reasons I didn't do
0: it. But, but anyway, I but those decisions. I'm sorry, those decisions are hard. And, and you, and you, you have to, it's not just, it's not a video game where you're just taking the kid that has an 80 rating and replacing them with an 88 rating. You have personalities, you have human feelings, you have team chemistry to worry about that. So those decisions are sometimes really, really simple, but a lot of times they're not as simple as what people would like for them to make it out to be, even with a future NBA guy like, uh, like Wesley.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I so I moved him up late in the
0: season. Maybe there were like
1: three games left. We had some injuries and stuff, and it was his time. And, and I moved him up, and and I, I was going to play him, obviously. He was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And, a, and, a, and a father stopped me in the parking lot, and he goes, I'm not going to let you do this to my – and this was the starting point guard's son, who was a senior, and it was a freshman. I'm not going to let you do this to my son. I'm not going to let you take away – I go. And once he, once we calmed him, or whatever, it, it ended up working out okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I see him, and I, I'll see him at a badger game and stuff. And and he's friends with one of my assistant coaches. I'll go up and say, "Hey, do you still think I made the right des- decision on that?" <laughs> <laughs> he goes, "Yeah, you probably did." I yeah. "You know, <laughs> yeah," and, and you know it. It all worked
0: out. Yeah, it's
1: like some, it's hard.
0: It's so hard for parents sometimes to yeah. see that. It's hard. It's hard. Well, and, you, I, and I and I realize it. You know, your 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 palm mom um, kind of reminded me of the story of. Uh, we'll just refer to her as the palm mom. Uh, that reminded me of the story of, of Wooden. Wood, and I'm sure you've heard it, Steve. Where um, when he won his final championship in '75, and he had announced that he was going to retire in between the, the semifinal and the final. And and one of the boosters came up to him uh, right after the game. He said, Coach, I'm so happy that you won tonight and you didn't screw it up like you did last year when they lost to NC State and David Thompson and that team. Right. You know, and it's like, here's the guy that won 10 national championships in 11 years and five years after he wins his last national championship and he's got some yahoo coming up. And so it was like, you know, if it can happen to Wooden, it's going to happen to dudes like you and I, you know. And right, I, and, and yeah. I,
1: that's kind of my feeling. Is it's gonna that yes, it's going to happen at some point. The problem is what I tell young coaches too is you got to be ready for it. Yes, like you got to be. It's it, it's going to happen. It's whether you're ready for it. Is whether you can do anything about it, it. Is kind of the question. Yeah.
0: Did you did you find it easier? You came in straight as a head coach. You weren't the assistant, and you came into Madison straight as a no, head coach. I was, assi- I was an assistant for two years. Oh, you were actually. assistant for two years. I was. Did I you was. did you find that? More difficult sometimes, kind of going from the proverbial good guy to now you kind of got to make the bad guy decisions. When it came to parents and and players and pom moms and stuff like that, you know. So uh,
1: I think I think it made I I I, I and I was I was thirty one, so I was rel- still relatively young, so uh-huh. I had to come in. I mean, I had to, we had lost for so long that I. Knew that if I was going to turn the thing, I had to come in and like I had to make some waves. Yes, yeah. Um, and I and I made some big waves, and I and I cut my I cut my assistant coach's kid. I mean, it was to the point where I was doing things that, in retrospect, would I do that now? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But it was just this huge part of we need a whole philosophical shift in how we think about things and how we do things. And, you know, this is just not a, you know, and, uh, you know, I I was cutting, I mean, I cut, I mean, I cut kids that parents ran the youth pro. I mean, I had to do things that were not,
2: I mean, I don't let assistant coaches go. It was not, there were, there was, it was not this easy transition of boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. Um, But in retrospect, I knew I had to do it. If I, I wouldn't
1: be sitting where I was today if I hadn't done it. It's just, there were a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of like, "Ooh, was that the right decision to do at that point?" But in retrospect,
0: I think it was. But but you were able to, and this is when it comes down. I you know we're kind of two older guys now that that did have done this for a long time. You were able to. You had to make these tough decisions, but you were able to look at yourself in the mirror. And say for the good of the program, this is probably the right thing to do. And you probably weren't right every time, but you were right the vast majority of the time. Yes, that's what I. That's what I would always tell parents doing. They come in and I would yeah, they'd end up cutting. I said, if I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to another parent. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, you gotta believe. Now we can agree to disagree whether your son should have made my team, but mm-hmm. if, if you're not sitting in the seat, then so-and-so's parents are sitting in the seat. I wouldn't use a name, but I'd say Johnny's parents are sitting in the seat and they're just as mad as you are. Mm-hmm. So I have to make the decision that I thought was the best decision at the time and then
1: live with it. And, mm-hmm. and to be honest with you, once I made the decisions, I usually slept pretty well because yeah. it's like it would be leading up to the decisions and picking the teams, which were always harder. Um, as we've gotten better, picking teams has actually gotten easier. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. Because there's more self, yeah. I, that's one thing I've noticed over the last twenty years. There's more. The kids are not going to come and be thirteenth on my bench. Yeah, they're going to self cut. Um, and you know, twenty years ago, kids wanted to just be on the team. Yeah, that's not necessarily the case now. That's one huge difference that I've seen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Kids, kids will just move on and and do something else. You know, with this, yes. with this uh the, the the opportunities that they have to do stuff they 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 just okay well basketball didn't work out and that sucks and that hurts but now I'm going to move on to this whereas you know for you and I I grew up in a small town in northwest Iowa that was the end all be all and if you didn't have that identity you really didn't have anything other than cruising the loop and listening to REO Speedwagon and, and Def Leppard you know and that was about it you know Um and, and I think kids today kind of move on from those situations a little bit easier if it doesn't work out for them
1: right they run for the hills and I would have given my right arm like I wanted to make the varsity team my sophomore year so bad so bad I would have given my right I would have done anything to get on that team and the coach Said you need to be the star of the JV team. You need to be down there, and it's like
0: I would have done anything to be on that team. Mm-hmm. Like I would have given my right arm to just be on the team. I didn't care if I played. Yeah. And I'm just telling those kids are far fewer, farther between than they used to be. Um, <laughs> that 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 reminds me of a story. Um, I don't know if I've ever told anybody this. So, but you know what the heck, hell, You know, Steve, let's put it out here. I was I my sophomore year of high school. I was on the JV. And, and I started, and then I started playing really well. And I wasn't very good, but I could, the one thing I could do was really shoot. And I, I shot it really, really well and, and had some nice games. And right before districts, the varsity coach gave me a, a varsity uniform to suit up for like the last couple of varsity games and district play and <laughs> this is so embarrassing but it's been it's been 30 years so i'm okay with it i was in my bedroom with my varsity uniform on and i was like playing nerf basketball in my bedroom with my varsity cuz i was just like so excited just to have a uniform and and you know i think sometimes kids look at it today where they go well if i'm not on varsity as a sophomore then i might as well not play because this that and the other thing and i can go do something else or i'm just not going to get recruited or it's not going to be really worth it and that stick-to-itiveness i think sometimes is not there as much um as it was when when you and i were you know in the in the in the 80s ish we'll call it that right
1: yeah we'll call it the 80s ish. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah i agree i mean it, it, part of that's like my, if i had to come home and complain
2: about a parent a teacher or a coach my parents would have laughed at me mm-hmm.
1: like we would have like, what are you talking about? Like, seriously? Like, so, um, yeah, I mean, we are sounding like
0: old Sparks. Hey, just don't start yelling at the clouds. Don't yell at the clouds yet. So, so, <laughs> well, all right. Well, Hey, let's pivot here. You brought up, uh, you brought up Don Meyer here and, uh, we've mentioned a Don Meyer once or twice on this. Uh, on this podcast, we, we uh, every interview podcast, Steve, we have the the Don Meyer co- uh, quote of the day, and so we're going to pivot here with the Don Meyer quote of the day. And if you wanna if you want to comment it on it, and we've kind of it's kind of weird how this works out. Is I'll pick this out beforehand, and the vast majority of the time I'll pick out like a random uh, Don Meyer quote, and then in the first half of the pod, it almost it, there. It's been so many times that it's fit. The, the conversation that we've had that was unplanned you know and and I think this is one of them here that that is kind of fit that here when you're talking about just building your program and that type of stuff so the Don Meyer quote of the day is you have to clean out the pig barn every week because you know your pigs are in there doing their jobs every day
1: well I like that I like that that's so true <laughs> that's so true yeah does that lock, that, that locker room that that, that
0: yes you can't first of all i think a couple things to take away from that quote first of all you can't ignore things no like no you can you have to confront it locker
1: room you have to confront it and you always i'm something i've learned if i had to add to my list that we were talking about earlier i think one of my strengths i don't know if one of my strengths is necessarily x's and o's but i read a locker room really well and i read the kids really well Mm -hmm. um and when things aren't going the way they need to go, I'm not one. You can't avoid it. You got to, um, that locker room is so important. If you're going to win it and you're going to get a ring and you're going to put a picture on the wall and you're going to do those kind of things. Everybody it has got, I mean, it's a cliche, but
0: it's gotta be one heartbeat. Everyone's gotta be on the same page. Mm-hmm. I mean, and all my, all my great teams, it was literally like they were, they were two steps ahead of what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so true it's like you gotta clean if you're doing that you gotta you gotta take care of your locker room um, there's a show on Apple TV right now called Ted Lasso or Ted Lasso oh yeah yeah, yeah. with uh is it should, is it Sudeikis or yeah, yeah you should that's not Sudeikis but you should watch it
1: it's about this football co- I talked to a couple of coaches in this morning this morning it's about it's about a high school it's about a college football coach U.S. football they gets hired to go coach football in, in the UK, which is soccer in the UK, and he doesn't know anything about soccer. Mm-hmm. And the first, it was comedy, but the first three or four or five episodes, all he's dealing
0: with is the locker room. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Every coach
1: should watch it. Yeah. Because once he got that locker room on the same page, they want a big game. And now, I know it's a TV show, but it's so true. It's like, once he got the star on 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 the same page and you got the ego guy on the same page and you got the bullies on the same page they were successful and I think that's so important in coaching uh, that people don't spend enough
0: time on yeah well one of the things and I agree with you wholeheartedly and one of the things that helps uh Keep, keep your locker room going in the same direction, as you said, one heartbeat, or as P.J. Fleck would say, we're all rowing the boat in the same direction, um, is to have great assistant coaches and to have stability with your coaching staff. Uh, what you know? I, I, from what I've read, you've had a pretty stable coaching staff situation, and you've had you've had very good assistant coaches that have helped you out. You know, just talk about the importance of of stability with your coaching staff, and and how that is so necessary to to keep all that you know to keep your program moving in the in the same direction.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think that the the two most important days well yeah the two most important things you do as a coach are the day you pick your team because um, how you how you pick that team because everyone can pick up the top 10 guys it's those next five that really that really make the make the soup
0: absolutely um, and, yep. then,
1: and then the day you pick your staff
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, or day you have your staff i've had basically two staffs in 20 plus years mm-hmm. um and uh, they're consistent, and
0: um, they, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be, if I didn't have the staff I have right now. it wouldn't be coaching mm-hmm. um, just because they take
1: stuff off of my plate that I don't have, I don't really
0: want to do anymore, mm-hmm. um, and and they are willing
1: to do, and I can do the things that I think are my strength. And um, I've said this, I've said this a whole bunch of times. When you're picking a staff, you need, you need, you need the confronter need someone that's going to question everything you do you need the yoda who's kind of the old wise person and you need the the, the ga you need the, the guy that's the, the person that's going to do all the behind the scenes stuff like the graduate assistant mm-hmm. if you can find those three things on a coaching staff you're good to go yeah and i and I'm, that's what i've got right now i've got those three so uh, that's what you know that's so important it's like i yeah I, I tell coaches because I always talk to coaches about the interview process and sometimes I'll get in and I'll help them um, get ready for the interview. Uh-huh. And I said, even if you get that, one of your interview questions would should be asked, how do you, how do you, because so, how do you pick your staff? Like, is your staff given to you or do you get to pick it? Uh-huh. Um, because that's, I think that's one of the, you know, who's going to help run this ship?
0: Yeah. How do you, how do you, uh delegate the authority within your staff because that's one of the things that that I know and it was self-inflicted wounds by far but I I spread myself too thin I mean just without a doubt I spread myself too thin and I uh, for a long time I was the only assistant coach or I was the only coach in our program that was in the building and so a lot of that stuff I just had to handle myself and then it just became something that I just did and I, I know especially having some uh, perspective now that that's something that I have to do better this next time around where it's you know. I'm not going to handle that. You are going to do this and I don't care what you, have. if you can't do this, then I need to find somebody else that will be available to do this type of stuff. So how do you, how do you guys work that out within your staff to, to delegate that authority? And how do you, how do you handle that in with, with your guys?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been really good. I I don't, I probably haven't scouted per se in probably three or
2: four years. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's just things that, like, I mean, I, now I watch
1: game film and people are going to play. I do, the, but I don't do the scout. I mean, I delegate it to the point where I have a coach doing our offense. I have a coach working about worried about individuals. I have a coach that's doing all the administrative and scouting stuff because um, I'm trying. I I want to I want to put people in their strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, I I don't care. I mean, I'll use Nate does Nate does all one of my assistants. Nate does all of our scouting. He does all the administrative stuff. He does all the behind the scenes stuff Um, because that's his strength. He's really good at it. Uh Like, and that's what he wants to do. So part of that is finding people that are willing to take roles on. Now, early in my career, I wouldn't have given up control.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I think. I've learned that, uh, especially if you have a family, if you have a life, if you want to do anything other than spend 12 hours
1: a day, just thinking about basketball, you have to delegate. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's more ownership when you delegate, like, you know, John does our offense. He's probably thinking about it right now, um, which is great because, um, you know, he's putting that time in and the boys can sense that. So, I think it's finding
0: the people to fit to the right spot is part of is a big part of that key. Mm-hmm. Do, do you find giving your assistants more authority has them more invested uh, because, oh, they know, because they know because I mean, they know that that they're they're valued and that their work is is part of the payoff at the end of the day for for the team?
1: Yeah, I mean, I probably taught twenty percent of practice at mm-hmm. this
0: point, maybe. You know,
1: because why? I mean, I don't even talk all the time. I mean, first of all, I'm trying to get the kids to talk more. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the other part is I'm trying to get uh, my assistant coaches to do the communicating because m- multiple voices is better, in my opinion. And again, I was a control freak early in my career. Mm-hmm. And part of that was probably me being a, more insecure than anything else. Like, do I really know this? Can I... Um, You know, can I, can I figure all this stuff out is kind of what, what I was probably in my early career thinking. And, uh, you know, once you become the old porch
0: dog, you kind of figure out, you know, (laughs) what you need to know and you can, you can delegate it. Yeah. Do, Do you, uh, was there, was there part of that that you had to, uh, because you had such a build to do that you felt like you needed to be more in control of it though?
1: yeah i think so i think i had to feel like i um yeah i think so i think that i I, and that's probably a good observation in the sense that i probably had to be that that um that leader or that thing in front of the program initially Mm -hmm. um like this is the way
0: we're going to do it Mm -hmm. one voice one thing Mm -hmm. um but I mean, I don't remember the last time I sat and talked about team expectations. Um, because the
1: older kids teach the younger kids what they are now, so okay. I don't tend to have to do it as much as I used to. So yeah, I think probably early on I probably had to do that, and I don't have to as much anymore. Um, yeah, I think that part of the, part of that comes with age, probably a little bit too.
0: Yeah, I told my I told my wife, you know, I'm I'm taking over a program that has not had a lot of success wins and losses wise the last two or three years. And, you know, that's one of the things that I'm going to have to do more because I, I had in in my other job, I had an assistant that was with me for seven years. I had another assistant that was a retired head coach that had 450 wins as a, as a head coach. He was my assistant for seven or eight years. I mean, it was, right. the, it was the three of us together. So there was so much stuff that I could turn over to those guys. And I had gotten to the point like, like you are right now, where it was just like, hey, I don't need to say a whole lot. And when I do chime in, though, I want it to be really, really important, you know, type of a thing and and all those things that you had talked about within your program. But now that I'm taking over a program that hasn't had a lot of success, I think I'm going to have to be a bit more controlling, a lot more controlling on the floor in practice, have my voice be heard more because I have to establish a culture, a vision, uh, a new way of doing things, uh, the, these these championship habits and champion, championship investment level. And they're not going to understand what that is until I unless I spell it out for them a through Z, every single step of the way. Now, two or three years from now, and then you can kind of hopefully start taking those steps back and kind of do it the way that you want to. I don't want to do it that way, but I, but I probably am going to have to do that that way. And the kids have been extremely receptive to it so far since I've taken over. Uh, but, but we're not in real practices yet, and, and that's, when the, that's when the real rubber is going to hit the road. And, and so I know that's going to be part of the process that I'm probably going to have to do a little bit differently than I did the last six or seven years at my previous job.
1: Yeah, I think I what I tell parents, what I what I tell young coaches and teachers too is, kids want structure, they mm-hmm. really do. Now they'll bitch about it, and they'll complain about it, and they'll 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 say they don't want it,
0: mm-hmm. but they
1: really do want structure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like that, this whole virtual world we're living in, part
0: of the issue is there's no structure. Yeah, like there's too much freedom um, you know, they,
1: they're missing the bells ringing and I need to go from A to B. And I don't like, I need to know curfews at this, all that stuff. I think there's a security, it's like almost a security blanket. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when we have curfew and I haven't called in the night before, parents are excited about it, first of all. And the second of all, they know that this is what's expected. So I agree. I think your observations one hundred percent right. Like when you go into a program like that, like I'm not saying you gotta go in and be Bobby Knight, but you gotta go no. in and be like, here's the way that things are gonna work from now on. Yeah. You're not late to team you're not
0: late to team meetings. Mm-hmm. right because it's important to be
1: here. It's important for your friends to see you here. Yeah.
0: Those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we uh yeah, be firm but fair. And and here's how it is and just yes. be yes. And, and just be consistent, you know. Um my, my daughter and I, uh, she's 16 and, and really doesn't like basketball, but uh, she loves 30 for 30s. And she watched the whole Bulls thing with me. I mean, we watched all 10 hours together. It was appointment television, which is awesome for me being right. the dad of a 16-year-old daughter that wants to spend time with dad. This is great, okay? And <laughs> and not only that, we're not watching TikTok, we're watching basketball. So right. uh, she said last night, she goes, Dad, we, we've got that 30 for 30 on uh, Bobby Knight. Let's watch that together tonight. I'm like... Okay, And I kind of looked at my wife, I'm like, you okay with that? She's like, absolutely, have at it. And her and her and our 18 year old son went and watched a movie downstairs in the basement. Uh, But I was watching that about Bobby Knight. And you you said that about Bobby Knight, you know, and that just popped into my head. And just how, uh, you know, you can do the same things, you can have the same philosophy as Bobby Knight in the sense of this is how the game is played and this is how what I think is right and and here's what I want to implement but I think that way of yelling and kicking and screaming and and all the other stuff that he did you know that's that's a bygone world that no longer is is effective and it's more of the the Brad Stevens firm but fair but I'm definitely the guy in charge but I'm not gonna do all the other stuff. Uh, but just to establish that consistent attitude and, and you're still doing that at your job, you're just doing it in a different way, in a in a in a way where you're not having to say it all. Your assistants are saying it all. Your upperclassmen are saying it all because that's what's been established over the last twenty years.
1: Yeah, I mean I first of all there's no way I would coach the same way I coached twenty five years ago. The game's changed. Yeah. Kids have changed. Yep. Everything's changed. Um and I think the way I'm coaching now is better than the way I was coaching 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think there's been a huge pivot on that. I mean, I, I guarantee you, last year's team can. When I did, if I did come and yell at them at the halftime or do something like that, it was so like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. that you know, that's so un non normal for coach to raise his voice that ooh something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it has a bigger impact too, and it's like. I mean, I don't want. To, I mean, it's like if you want to be yelling at your kid, I don't want to be yelling at my kid. So no. it's like it's
0: very similar to that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I always thought, and I forget where I got this from, but I think you can. I think you can get really angry with your team twice a year. I, I think if you're, if you have to, if you have to get really upset with your team more than twice in a season, then, the problem isn't probably you as a coach is it's you've you've done all the stuff that you can do either the kids aren't physically good enough or they just probably aren't going to want to invest what they need to invest and they or or there's some selfish or whatever the whatever the thing can be i th- i think you can do it twice a year and i think if you have to do it more than twice in a season you're probably in a lot of trouble I, what do you think about yeah, that i agree i agree
1: I mean, they're,
0: they're going to tune you out. That's yeah. what happened that night. They just tuned them out. They just yeah. took it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, you, uh, you said something here, and I was a little worried when you talked about it um, in the first half. Um, but you talked about how you were on the bus ride home, and uh, you talked about all here. Here's all the things that we can control, and and essentially, I, I saw a YouTube clip of you talking about what you call the memorial way. And for for our listeners, for 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 the listeners that listen to my stuff but haven't listened to your stuff, uh, just kind of go into depth with that and the process you came out with that and and why that's been kind of your north star for your program uh, the last couple of decades.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I wanted to come up with like a, a rally cry, um, you know, that we could all get behind. You know, it's kind of one of those patriotic things in some respects, but. <laughs> um that we that we would we this is the way we were going to do things you know we were going to wear a tie to the games we were going to show up on time. there are things that we can control and things you can't control mm-hmm. whether that shot goes in with 12 minutes to go i don't know if i can necessarily control that in the, in the time but i can control whether we're we're diving after a loose ball and doing mm-hmm. those kind of things and there, and i think that if, what you said earlier you control the controllables mm-hmm. um you know that's what we really wanted to be in the Memorial, and and uh, I, I wanted people to when they saw our teams to just say they play hard. They you know they're well coached. They play hard and they you know they're they're playing fair, but they're playing hard, and that's that's what we wanted. And um, yeah, I mean I, that that locker room. will to the day I die, I'll remember that locker room just because it's like you just there's yeah. I was young. I was 32, 31, 32 years old, and I'm going, like, I don't, I mean, I, I I'm, we don't play board games in our, in our house, because
0: we're soaking tired of it. so. <laughs> I can relate. I can relate. My wife, my <laughs> wife refuses to play Uno or Clue, or, uh, it, it's okay if it's at our house, like, my you know our nuclear family's house but my wife right. will will not when we have uh, christmas or thanksgiving and everybody's together um shoes are flying curse words are being tossed around and yeah so i i hear you there i definitely hear you there yeah i think that's uh i think that's yeah i think that's one of the keys but uh, but, you, <laughs> but you but you ha- but you have to have that a little bit or or else y- y- why are you even in the fight you know, you have to have a little bit of a punk attitude that I'm not going to take this, I'm not going to back down, you know yeah, you may you may beat me but I'm not going to lose to you you're going to beat me, and there's a hell of a big difference between getting beaten and losing, in my mind, and I think that's what you were trying to establish on that bus ride home.
1: Yes it was like, and, and, and again, like I was saying, it was pre-crossover was pre-huddle, I'm telling you right now no one watched more film in the entire state of Wisconsin than, than I did over about a five to seven year, po- no, no way. There's mm-hmm. no way between me and my assistants, no one watched more film and scouted more people than we did. And that was pre, now it's like, not that people have gotten lazy, but it's easier. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, I don't,
2: I don't have to go find four people to go to four different gyms with a camera mm-hmm. and then upload the camera and then break the film down. And I mean, It was, but but it helped us. We won games because of that. I'm just, I know we did, Mm -hmm. Um, because we were out working people, and that was something like we could control. That was a controllable. Mm -hmm. We could, you know. um, So now,
1: how we pivoted now is like there's other things that we can control, um, and and that's what we try to do moving forward.
0: How'd you sell that to your teams that second year, that third year, as you were building the culture, as you were building? Um, everything you know they're they're probably worried about jump shots and you're talking about wearing ties to the game and and why that was so important or whatever whatever the examples were on on that list that you guys put together you know what was the process of selling that to your team because I, I think it's a brilliant idea I think that's what you should be doing I, I think oftentimes we as coaches get like caught up like you said, uh, in the X, and not to say that X's and O's aren't important. You got to be able to run a big out of bounds play when you need to run a out of bounds play, or you got to get a, if you need to throw a, a triangle and two out of somebody, you got to be able to execute that and rotate out of it the right way. That's really, really important, but the other stuff is necessary to have the attitude to understand the importance of why this rotation in the triangle and two is important. So, you know, you, you, you were in a situation where the there there was not a lot of winning before this, and you're talking about things like this that probably had kids coming into the gym worried about, well, how come we're not working on our sideline break or whatever it may be, and we're focused on this. You know, what was that selling process like?
1: Um it was being fair. It was being like, I, I'm telling you, I I, I mean, I've, I've, I've won probably over 80% of my, the games I've coached in high school and I can tell you of the 20%, I probably, two or three percent of those are because I was sitting someone. I was, you were late to a meeting. I mean, my rule is if you're late, you sit. And if you miss practice, you sit. I mean, it, there's just, you have to be here. You have to be in class to learn the material that we're teaching, and you have to be attentive and you have to be ready to learn. And and those, I mean, when they when they see that you're you're as serious or more serious than they are, that's the huge selling point. Mm-hmm. When we were when we were handing out VHS tapes to every kid before every game, and saying, "Take these home and watch them." They knew we were serious, you know, mm-hmm. because no one else was doing that at that time because what did that take? Well, we had to have, like, four VCRs and we were, <laughs> had a master and we were taping on this. And, I mean, but, that, but I think part of that seriousness of wearing the tie and being on tie and and being prepared, they knew we were putting... And, and, and I've said this a lot of times in a lot of locker rooms. Like, we're taking this seriously. You need to take this seriously. Like... Yeah. And it's, and then, and that, I think that's a big selling point for young coaches. Like I gotta work the guys. Like you know they put all this time in. I
2: gotta work them. I gotta spend more time preparing for that next opponent than they are, mm-hmm.
1: um, or doing whatever it is, or practice planning. You know that that takes a lot of time if you're going to do it well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know how much time are you really spending on that practice plan yeah. um, and all those kind of things? So I think the kids. Kids can read when you're BSing them, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. and they can
1: and they can tell when you're selling them a false bill of sale. Yeah, um, but when you're selling them the truth, they can they, they know. Like i I tell my guys, like I've told my upcoming seniors that they're probably not going to have a season, and I'm probably in the five percent of high school coaches that have been honest with their players, mm-hmm. um, because I'm a math teacher. I kind of see that we live in Wisconsin. I can probably see what's going to happen in November, December, and January. I, I, I tell them I will never lie to you. Yeah. I, will, I, will, I will be...
0: Same here. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I, you don't want to hear honesty. I,
1: I refer to it as, do you want um, harmony? I, I, you want me to be... You want harmony or you want honesty kind of thing, you know? And if you want harmony, I'll just tell you the best thing ever. But if you want honesty... You know, I'm going to be honest with you, and they, so I have a come of my players already I ask, "What do you think?" I go, "Coach, I, I maybe I'm, I'm not optimistic we're going to be playing before January, guys." And here's why, and 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 they know that I'm going to tell them the truth, and that's you can't lie you know when we're playing on an opponent that we should beat by thirty, I
0: never tell them that they're good, mm-hmm. yeah, because <laughs> they know they're not any good, yeah, but I yeah. will tell them that here's what we need to do, and here's how we need to execute, and
1: here's what the score should be at halftime. Yeah. You know, so it's like you can't, like, I think that honesty is so important because, I don't know, teenage boys can
0: read a mile away if you're selling them a false bill of sale. They really can. Well. Um, And they're not going to go to battle with you. Yeah, well, teenage girls will do the same thing. I can do that right now, too. You know, and I, and I think that's interesting. You're talking about your scouting report and your opponents. You know, you, you can't Lou Holtz the kids. I mean, because you, you, you know, I remember, uh, you know, when he was at Notre Dame, you know, those guys, I tell you what, if Rice comes out and they play their best game and we play our worst game, they can beat us, you know? And no, they're not. They're, they're, they're not, you know, and you can, you can, right. and, and, and so if you keep, pumping up every team that they're the next coming of the 86 Celtics. Um, and then, and then it's not, then when you really need to get their attention, it's, it's like the boy that cried wolf. And I, and I think that honesty, I, I love that phrase that you lose, uh, use their, do you want harmony or do you want honesty? And I think, Part of the big adjustment of for for those coaches listening that you want to go from assistant coach to a head coach, that's a that's a big thing that you have to adjust to because a lot of times as assistant coach you get to be the good guy you get to kind of help mend the bridge a little bit. Ultimately, as the head coach, you've got to be sometimes bluntly honest because you you just can't string people along. You, you this is just the way it is, and I'm sorry. And you, you you try not to be mean about it, but ultimately there comes a point where you just have to say, hey. Jimmy, Becky, Susie, Johnny, you're, you're not going to play or you're, you, you, this is going to be your role and I know it's not what you want, but you, you have to be honest and you can't lie to the kids because then it just leaves false uh, or, or it leaves uh, hurt feelings and, and then you get into that spiral of stuff and it's, it, it makes it worse.
1: Oh, it makes it a lot worse and you're, then, you're, then you're digging out of a hole from,
0: from that time on um, if you don't tell them the truth, mm-hmm. you really are yeah a thousand percent agree with you there so um, one last thing here Steve um, you're a stats teacher um, yeah, yeah. Um, what you know what are some things that you look at uh, I, I would assume with that background that you guys do a lot uh, as much as you can with with analytics um, within your program uh, what are some of the things that you look at analytically consistently to know, that this is where we want to be. This is where we. This is. These are important statistics for us. So forth and so on. Um,
1: I, I, I look at points per possession. I think that's a really big one. Um, we've, you know, um, I I'm a big turnover guy. Like I can't handle turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think turnover percentage is a big one. The problem is there's so much analytics out there. Yeah. That literally, you could give me your team, and I could convince you the eighth man
0: should be starting, <laughs> even though he probably shouldn't be, or she shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, so it, again, statistics is a snapshot, and the thing is, it's like you got to get you got to get enough. You, that's
1: where we try to. There was there was an opponent we played this year. We had every game on him. There, I knew everything about him. When I only had two or three games, I could make some observations, but
0: yeah. You know, unless your data set's big enough, it's hard to make huge conclusions. If I got twenty five games on you, I can tell that kid ain't going left, mm-hmm. um, or you know, he's not going to shoot from twelve to fifteen very well. So um,
1: it's really hard I, for opponents to look at it unless your sample's big enough. Mm-hmm. For your own team, you know, I, I I really I don't even really look at I, I don't post stats. I've never posted stats in thirty plus years. Um, I don't let the kids see the stats. I don't post them um, because, again, you're It's like giving a kid a loaded gun. They can, you know, I, yeah. I'm not gonna, they're going to look at their stats. They're only going to worry about themselves. I don't, you know, they're
0: only going to look at a snapshot of it. Or they're going to, or they're going to show it to mom and dad and say, "Hey, here's here's Jimmy's stats. I told you I was shooting better than him. Why aren't I playing more? Blah blah blah. That type of because thing. Because you've
1: taken two shots and he's
0: taken seventy three. Yeah, know, you know exactly. Um, so uh,
1: yeah, I don't know if there's one specific thing. Um, the problem is the analytics, especially the stuff they're cranking out now, is so powerful that um, you know the, the the key four that they talk about is probably all you ever really need. Um, but you know, there's so many that you could literally do. I could I've thought about this. I could probably do a week's worth of podcasts and just looking at the analytics on and, on and Huddle. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But it's you don't really. I mean, I think I think it's a good tool. I think there's things that don't show up on the in, in there too. Yeah. Um, and I and I and I'm becoming a bigger, bigger fan of looking at combinations mm-hmm. of kids and how they work together rather than specific individual kids. Um, you know, I often some of my best teams. I never started my best five players. Yeah. Um, I started my top three players and then. You know, two other players that fit with them well. Um, so there's some other things. We refer to them in statistics as lurking variables. Um, <laughs> there's lots of lurking variables and lots of decisions. And if you look at social injustice and all the things that are going on in the world, people are making conclusions on one variable. There's more than one variable.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's
1: multiple variables that need to change for the world to change. Yeah, um, so we got a lot of work to do ahead of us. Is basically what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. How much? Um, uh, how far are you away from Kenosha? How far is Madison away from Kenosha? It's it's pretty much due east of there, isn't it? Yeah, it's about an hour and a half an hour, hour and, a half, an hour, yeah. an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, and and how have you uh let's wrap up on this uh how have how have you uh talked to because i talked to it uh i talked about this uh with one of our coaches here in omaha at omaha south high school which is a, a very diverse school um you know how have you talked with your kids about the, the the social issues of today and the things that have happened in the country since uh, since things have exploded. I guess this this stuff's been going on for a long time, obviously, uh, and it's been under it's been under the uh, under the clouds a little bit, and and then of course with with George Floyd it, it exploded again, and then the last few weeks here up in in your neck of the woods, unfortunately, there was another incident uh, which which drew national attention and things like that. How much have you talked with your players about? this season and, and, and their opinions and where they're at and, and what you can do to help them, uh, to, to, to move forward, um, in this, in this time period where just so many things are going on when it comes to those social justice issues. It's it's really more about checking in. I mean, I,
2: I, I, first of all, I haven't really, I didn't, we didn't have a basketball banquet. Sure. Yeah. All of them, but you know, I went to their houses and was able to see
1: them and stuff. But, um, it's more me just checking in we're not really I'm not really even talking basketball with them at all mm-hmm. um it's just more how they're doing and the, the, the horrible part is I is that this is happening at the worst time possible mm-hmm. because I can't be there for them in the same way I can't put my arm around them I can't tell them it's going to be okay um and and it's horrible it's horrible that I can't have them over to my house I mean she obviously my son was a senior, but they were over at the house in my basement all the time. And I know they would have been
2: with all this stuff going
1: on, Mm -hmm. Um, but they just can't be like, we're, you know, so I think that's the hard part. I think it's all, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe all this doesn't happen if, if we're not all locked up. I don't know. Again, lurking variables. Yeah. It's just, it's just, from a teaching standpoint, virtual teaching is horrible. It's being <laughs> oh able to yes, communicate. It's 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 everything. Ev- I told my principal everything I don't like about teaching you're making me do. But <laughs> right now, yeah. The, the things I love about teaching I can't do because what I love about teaching is the the interactions, the the, the standing outside my door. The, yep. you know all that i mean i can't
2: even sense whether they're getting it like, yeah you can't the, the the screen is not a great indicator of i can read a kid whether they're getting it i can
1: look in their eyes and i can tell mm-hmm. i can't do that on that screen so it's the same when i'm zooming with my kids with all this stuff it's like i i think they're doing okay and they say they're doing okay but until i see them in person and see the you know the weight of their eyes i can't really even tell so yeah it's, it's it's horrible to be honest with you um yeah things have to change
0: yeah yeah it well and and even i mean we're in we're live uh we're 100 percent live here wow. and wow. you know uh but we're wearing masks obviously i mean it's it's mass mandated and um you know we we have uh We have to clean off. I mean, we're constantly spraying desks down and doing stuff like that. And like you were saying, one of the the byproducts of that, and I understand why we have to do it. I'm not complaining in any way, shape, or form. I understand why we're doing it, Uh, but one of the things that you don't get to do as much of, uh, just the way we had to set things up for us to be able to be in person, uh, was y- you don't have any time to really go out in the hallway and just have those side com- those impromptu conversations those relationship conversations where you really get to know the kids and you're not you know for me you're not just giving a lecture on Gettysburg or or Teddy Roosevelt or something like that but it's hey how's you know how's the play going you know how's uh you know how oh yeah hey you still working at that part-time job that you talked about last year when I had you in class and things like that you know just because you have to make all these adjustments, and I again I understand why we have to do it. It's it's the necessary part to at least have some relationship with the kids, um, but it, it has changed that as well.
1: How do you social distance them when they're not in class? I mean,
0: um, just boggles my mind in high school level. How do you do that? We we stagger them. We stagger their dismissals, and they're only okay. allowed. They're only allowed three minutes um, in between classes, and um they're not allowed to go to their lockers they they have a backpack with everything with them so they can go to their locker before school starts they can go to their locker uh, they can go to their locker um, uh, before lunch like if they, to get their lunch out and then they can go to their locker at the end of the school day and that's it we can't allow any of the kids to go to their lockers. Wow yeah so wow. yeah I mean I, I don't know if you've heard but like, one of the things I do with my guys is I have food in my room. I literally have a filing cabinet, four drawers, where <laughs> there's food. Yeah. It's the only way they come see me during the day unless <laughs> they have them in class. Yes. And it's like, I mean, I don't really want to go back until I can have my food drawn. Because yeah. literally, they all, and, and it's funny, you watch the younger ones and they're not sure if they can come in. And they just,
1: the only rule is they have to say hi to me. Yeah. They have to say hi. They have, that's all they have to do. I don't care anything else. They got to say hi. They just can't come in, grab food, and leave. They got to, yeah. Interact with me. Yeah, that's all I have to do. Yeah. and it's like it's like. First of all, I could probably buy a car with the
2: amount
1: of food I'd, like I'd spend <laughs> on it. But it's like, but um, I. I mean, until I can do that, until I can have that little minuscule of interaction with them during the day, you know. I, I, I mean, I just seem to be virtual. Then, I mean,
0: how do you read faces? How do you how do you have those conversations with kids? You don't. Yeah. Probably with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. it's difficult. It, it is it is difficult, but it's better than virtual and and that's and that's what that's you you, you have to remind yourself of that 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 it's better than the virtual that there is something there that there is uh, a value to it uh it's you know it's it's needed for the kids to be there i i I firmly believe that um i don't want this to turn into a huge political debate or anything like that for anybody listening Uh, and uh but but um you know we've we've worked it we've we've had ups we've had downs i mean we had we had ups and downs in in my family my, my son was diagnosed with covid and oh, no. i i i went from teaching to not teaching to okay we thought we were negative so i went back for a couple of days it's like oh no he's positive so i went back you know and and you know you you know it's uh it's been crazy uh but we've we figured it out how and we how is he how is he doing he's fine he's fine he was sick okay. he was sick for two days And and, but now he's he's an 18 year old kid who's really really healthy who never misses school and he probably I know he would have missed at least one day of school and might have missed two Um, but that tells me that if I would have gotten it um, this might have kicked my butt for because I think I'm a pretty healthy 46 year old guy but but it could have kicked my butt for four or five days and if my dad who's 72 and a smoker gets it then yeah, I mean that that scares yeah. me, you know, yeah. uh, and, and that and that's where we have to stay disciplined as a society, and that's why we wear the mask, and that's why you social distance in public, and. Because it's not necessarily about me protecting myself; it's me protecting myself and everybody (laughs) around me. I've I've talked
1: to my kids about that—my my my kids in the house that I live with, but also the kids that I coach. It's like this isn't when I wear the mask. It's not about me.
2: Yeah. I I don't really want to get sick, and I but I think I mean I don't have any underlying things. I think I'll probably be okay. Mm But it's about my eighty-five-year-old dad.
1: It's about my mother-in-law. It's about those people that I'm trying to protect. So I think it's a great societal um, thing. But, I mean, uh, so do you think you'll have basketball
0: season? I think they're going to do everything that they can to, to have it. I, I, I think, you know, short of, you know, really things escalate. But we're in a different situation than, like, say, Wisconsin. Uh, because other than Omaha and Lincoln, most of our schools are really spread out from one another. We're, we're extremely right. rural. And, um I just think that I, I don't yeah, I, I, I don't think they're gonna do anything to put anybody in danger. I don't that's not what anybody's gonna do at this point. the the science has established certain things of what we can and cannot do, but I also think that um, I think they're gonna do everything that we can do to try and have a season in some way, shape or form um, but that's why those people make a lot more money than I do because they get paid to make those decisions. So I'm going to let those, them, you know. And you don't have to make yeah. I know, that's so true. Yeah. It's so true. It's
1: like, and I was talking to a doctor this morning who actually happens to be a T-Choose member, mm-hmm. um,
0: and I and I was talking to him about this, and he said uh, Australia and New Zealand and stuff are just coming off the flu season, and it's been their best flu season ever. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, wh- how does that
1: happen? He goes, because they're all wearing
0: masks. Yep. No yep. one's getting, no one's getting the flu because everyone's wearing masks. Yeah. Yep. So, um, he's more optimistic. That made me feel better. He goes, if we get that mask thing down, he says, I think we'll be okay. Yeah. Um, we just got to get that down. And this is a doctor that's a practicing doctor. He goes, that made him feel better because he's yep. in California. Well, and yeah. He, um, and he, they don't start to march. Yep. And he goes, I think we got a shot. I do really do Steve. I really think we got a shot at this. So, Good. um, what what I've told my players is is we have to. I said it's it's like um, retirement. You know, there's there's no guarantee that you're going to live until 65, but you have to save your money like you're going to live until you're 65 and beyond. Um, there's you know we don't know if we're going to have a season, but we have to prepare like we're going to have a season because if we don't, we're going to be way behind and we're going to be really behind the eight ball. So we have to have the attitude that. We're going to have a season until they tell us that we're not going to have a season.
1: That's right, and you being in person, you have a very good shot at it. I think. Yeah, I really
0: do. I, I think that has, you know, and and we had some deals, and again, I, uh, here in Omaha, we had a, a a situation with the Omaha Public Schools, and they they went remote and they canceled all uh, fall sports in the city for the public schools of Omaha, and but but. We're in a suburban school, the school I teach at, we're in a suburban situation and they um, you know, all the suburban schools are still having football, having volleyball, cross country, et cetera, et cetera. And and I think that has I I, I don't know how much that's gonna change anything. Again, that's for people that make more money than me to to uh, to make those decisions and and I'm not saying that they're right, I'm not saying that they're wrong. I just I just do what I'm told. And, and, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're just,
1: when I refer to you, you're old enough to appreciate this, I just say,
0: I'm another brick in the wall. <laughs> I'm just another brick in the wall. And do be like, what are you talking about? I go,
1: oh, come on. Yeah, hey, yeah. Boy, I'm just another
0: brick in the wall. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. So, um,. Steve, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed Thank talking you. to you tonight. So, uh, if you ever need me to come on yours, I owe you one. So I will for sure, for sure. You know, I will
1: absolutely have you do that. Awesome.
0: That would be awesome. Perfect. Well, uh, once you hold the line here, I got a couple things to wrap up, and and then uh, we'll we'll call it an evening here. So, uh, again. Steve Collins, Madison Memorial High School, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, uh, the boys' basketball coach there. Uh, Tremendous uh, resume, uh, three-state championships, four-state runner-up. A lot of really, really good basketball thought that we went through here tonight. Uh, Again, we want to thank COSAC Chiropractic for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, If you're ever in need of uh, chiropractic services, don't hesitate to call Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at 402-964-0300 or take a look at their practice at cosacchiro.com, K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin. Uh, Download, rate, and review the podcast here. Again, it's all about helping coaches. And, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, Email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Steve Collins, Madison, Wisconsin. James Madison, the father of the Constitution. Uh, yes. so there you go. So uh, that's a history guy thing there. So uh, <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> Let's put that on a quiz because kids walk by, which president was he? Uh, they, I always ask that question at some point through the year. So. He was number, it would go Washington Adams, Jefferson. Monroe Madison fifth he was number five so um so yes Steve Collins from Steve Collins from Madison Memorial out of Madison Wisconsin uh coaches as always let's stay safe let's pray for peace and let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time